You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 611 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We continue on with our program brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. Hall of Fame broadcaster Chuck Freebie joins me right now. He's the voice of high school sports in our area and has been very busy throughout the basketball season and a lot of fun still to come with boys basketball sectionals starting a week from tonight. And the 46 crew will be at the Cave tomorrow night for a little rivalry matchup between Penn and Mishawaka. Chuck, always a pleasure to talk to you. How are you? I'm well, DP. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Greatly appreciate your time as always. And I well, got it's great to be with you. And I'll tell you what, what a thrill that had to be for you uh, last Friday night to call Cooper's first varsity dunk. Yes, I had to be resuscitated <laughs> because I couldn't <laughs> believe he had never dunked before. But I guess sometimes adrenaline does wonderful things. So, yeah, thank you. It was a thrill of a lifetime, and I've had a lot of thrills the last 13, 14 months with this Mishawaka basketball team. And we'll see what happens tomorrow night. There's a lot of a lot of storylines between these two teams, Penn and Mishawaka, but it comes down to the guys on the floor tomorrow night. What are your early impressions of Mishawaka? I know you haven't seen Mishawaka, I don't believe, in person this year, but early thoughts of Bodie Bender's team? Well, it, it's a classic Bodie Bender team from the standpoint of the emphasis really being on defense and execution. I think many people were surprised Saturday night when they lost at Wawasee, and especially because of the way they lost. The Mishawaka shot the ball tremendously well in that game, probably made as many three-pointers as they've made in a game all season long, but where they got beat was in the second chance points. I think Wawasee outscored them something like 13-4 to in second chance points, and obviously that wound up being the difference in the ball game. Uh, but typically, Bodie's teams, uh, even when he was down at Carroll, put the emphasis on playing terrific defense, uh, a high level on offensive execution, what I mean by that, taking high percentage shots, knowing uh, basically knowing who you are. If you watch the Cavemen over the course of this season, for the most point, they don't take a lot of three-pointers because they realize they're not necessarily the best three-point shooting team. And so I think Bodie's got a good handle on what he has this year. And, and this is a really interesting matchup tomorrow night because these are two teams that really do emphasize defense quite a bit. And the Wawasee game, I would say there was some attention to detail on the defensive end that Mishawaka did not execute at their normal level. I think it's shocking that a veteran team with everything on the line struggled the way they did. But now you got Penn coming in, and I remember watching the Penn-Warsaw game on the stream on 46, and Penn stayed in that game with offensive rebounding. I mean, Warsaw had a really tough time keeping Penn off the offensive rebounds, and Saying what you said about Mishawaka's struggles on Saturday, it's not going to be any easier with the Kingsmen coming to the cave with the way they hit the glass. Oh, gosh, no. Now, the one thing that might be working for Mishawaka is Penn's 
quite a bit banged up. They've been playing the last few games without both Dominic Bonner and Alex Hawthorne, who are a couple of their starters typically, and their fine freshman Peyton Miamba has been limited in his play as well. Uh, nobody's going to cry any tears for the Kingsmen, though, because they've got some uh, very adroit players offensively, including a, a terrific post player by the name of Maverick Brown, mm-hmm. who is able to get to the basket in some unusual ways sometimes. You look at him and you wouldn't think, well, this is your classic post player, but he is a big, strong kid. I mean, that strength and conditioning program over a pen is no joke, <laughs> and I think it it has won a couple of games for Barrett Kuhlman's squad this year. Uh, Trey Miller's got a nice outside shot. You definitely have to be up on him. Casey Finn has been playing a lot better as of late. So I, I think you point out something very good in the fact that Mishawaka has to do a great job on the boards, but I think they also have to make sure that they close out on Penn shooters because Penn is not afraid to hoist the three, and they have a number of people that can hit it. How can folks watch the Penn-Mishawaka game? Well, we're not live streaming it because we don't want to take away from what the Mishawaka network does. So what we'll do is Wednesday night, at 9, we'll air it, and we'll air it on both TV46 and on YouTube for those who might be listening from out of town. And it airs again Thursday afternoon at 2. So it uh, gives you a little bit of a uh, couple of opportunities to, to catch that broadcast. And, of course, you can listen to Brian Miller tomorrow night on 96.1 The Ton and then watch our game, and you'll sit there and say, gosh, Brian's a lot better than those guys. (laughs) Wow, look at that. You can tell why he's a Hall of Famer. He just tied everything together, radio and TV. We greatly appreciate that. Chuck Freebie is my guest. I have attempted throughout the basketball season to rank the area teams in the NIC and the NLC. South Bend Riley. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I know. That's my question that's coming. South Bend Riley has been easy to vote number one. They are in my opinion, ahead of everybody else. And then two through eight in my ranking, I feel like you could throw them up in the air and put them in any order, and it wouldn't be too far off, especially with Marion winning 10 in a row. The back end of their schedule, they've snuck into the top eight. I'm just wondering, are you seeing this parody in all the gyms that you're going to? And I'm just wondering, is it because there might be the lack of what I would call dominant players in the area there's just a lot of really good balanced players and teams in the area there won't be an indiana all-star from our viewing area or listening area this year we don't have a marcus burton as we've had in the past or players the the caliber of a a demisi anderson players like that there just isn't one this year at least not in the senior group that's part of it yes I think another part of it is, and and this ne- isn't necessarily the greatest promotion of the sport, but the fact of the matter is there aren't a lot of teams that shoot it very well around here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and until that gets resolved, you see a lot of uh, scores that are in the, the 40s or 50s because, quite frankly, there just aren't a lot of great shooters in the area. I agree with your assessment on Riley. I think they are the most talented team and the best team in the area. It doesn't necessarily going to mean they're going to win their sectional. They they could be one and done if they wind up playing Michigan City. And Riley jumped out to a 12 nothing lead on Michigan City when they played in the regular season and only beat them by two. Um, 
that could be troublesome for the Cats in the first game that they play in the Mishawaka sectional. I agree also that Marion right now is as hot and playing as well as any team mm-hmm. in our area. Uh, the fact is, in their sectional, they're 5-0 and against the teams in their sectional, including a very good St. Joe team who seems to change quarter to quarter. I mean, <laughs> they went in and blitzed South Bend Washington the other night, and then there are nights like the night we had against Marion where they can't buy a three-point. Hmm. Chuck so, Freeby's my guest. Oh, go ahead, Chuck. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, from a talent standpoint, St. Joe might be as good as Riley or any other team in this area, but they have not played to that level this year. I just want you to give me a quick thought on the Elkhart sectional, which is the most fascinating sectional, in my opinion, in our immediate area, just because, and I don't want to disrespect Goshen and Elkhart, but the other four teams, you could play this multiple times, and it would not shock me. We would have a different winner every time with Warsaw, Concord, Northridge, and Penn. What do you see the teams over there at Northside Gym next week? There's a couple things that stand out to me, Darren. Obviously, the Penn-Northridge game on Tuesday night, that's a headliner that everybody's going to want to see, and there are a lot of people that think the winner of that game uh, basically sails on into the championship game because they play in the same bracket as Elkhart. So Penn beat Northridge by eight in overtime in Middlebury uh, back in January. That is pretty much meaningless when, <laughs> when it comes to next Tuesday night. Um, you got two veteran coaches in Barrett Kuhlman and Scott Radiker. It'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. I think Brady Scholl, the big man for Northridge, has been playing better and a lot better than he was when he played against Penn the first time. That might be a big difference maker for Northridge. Upper part of the bracket, yes, Goshen looks to be counted out, especially once they lost their big man, Ryan Eldridge, but Gage Mm. Worthman and Levi Sawatsky have been shooting the ball very well as of late, putting up some good numbers. What would worry me about Concord, and Derek Deshaun's done a marvelous job with this team. Their defense is terrific, but they don't score a lot of points. So they're never really burying teams. And can they put Goshen away and get a little bit of rest before they play Warsaw? The best news for Warsaw was the bye means they only have to get on the bus and make that long trek from Warsaw to Elkhart (laughs) twice during the week instead of three times. And that's a huge difference for Matt Moore's team. The question would be, can they generate the offense that they could not generate the first time that they played Concord this year? But you're right. There's four teams in that field. If you believe in the Sagarin ratings that get published on the great John Harrell website, those four teams at Elkhart are separated by 2.7 Sagarin points. Wow. Amazing. That's like the difference between your knife and your fork on your place setting. <laughs> Definitely not the difference between our respective grade point averages, to say the least. Chuck Freeby is my <laughs> guest here on WSBT Radio. Are you guys going to be calling games on Tuesday? Uh, we will not do the Tuesday night of the sectional. We okay. will do Friday, and we'll be at Mishawaka. More oh. than like, I believe we're doing that Riley, Michigan City. Okay. Matchup. Assuming it's Michigan City, I don't want to disrespect Joel Grindle and Plymouth. Joel's a fine coach. I just think they're a little bit behind Michigan City yep. right now. 
Uh, and then we plan. Our plan is to do the Saturday Night Championship over at Elkhart. Okay, very good. I want to ask you a Notre Dame football question really quick. You've been around these parts for a good while now. You are a, a history book of Notre Dame football. There's been a discussion amongst fans. The coordinator combination right now of Mike Denbrock and Al Golden. It's the best Notre Dame coordinator tandem since dot, dot, dot. Can you fill in the blank when you've been this comfortable with a pair of coordinators at Notre Dame? Well, remember, when you're an offensive coordinator under Lou Holtz, you're not really an offensive coordinator. (laughs) So let's go back to Barry Alvarez being the defensive coordinator for Lou Holtz and Lou Holtz calling the plays. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good combination. I think that's that's a pretty solid combination, and uh, that worked really well for the Irish for quite some time, and until Barry left to become the head coach at Wisconsin, Rick Minter also had some terrific years as yeah. the defensive coordinator for the Irish while Holtz was coaching, uh, and and then you would have to, you know, hit the accelerator quite a bit. I think up into probably right now. I mean, that's, it's interesting too, because, and Darren, you've been here, what, 20 years or so, uh, something like that. Yeah. So you and I are both old and (laughs) Notre Dame has never paid assistant coaches the way they're paying them now. I mean, assistant coaches now are making more than, well, way more than Holtz did, obviously, but I mean, they're making more than Charlie Weiss did when he was coaching as head coach. And so, but that that's the nature of the beast, right? If you're going to tie up Al Golden and Mike Denbrock into these four-year deals and keep them away from the NFL and keep them away from other jobs, that's what you have to do. There are so many in the Irish fan base. You see it on social media, message boards. Everything is starting to fall into place for Notre Dame. Is there anything that causes you hesitation thinking about the possible success of this year's team? Well, I'm not necessarily sold yet on Riley Leonard as the quarterback of the fight. I think he's obviously going to be the starter against Texas A&M, barring injury because you don't bring him in here just to, to ride the pine. Even though Steve Angeli had a wonderful Sun Bowl against a, an outmanned Oregon State team, the job is obviously Riley Leonard's. But can he go down there and beat his old coach in a hot, hostile environment down in College Station? If he can, yeah, then the Irish should be in cruise control for a while, but Leonard never put together great consecutive performances while he was down at Duke. And so over the course of the season, where's the stumble going to be? I mean, you know, we're sitting here this time last year thinking Sam Hartman was going to rewrite the Notre Dame record books, and it didn't happen. Yeah, I think there's also some question – you're losing two high-caliber tackles in Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. Those are tough to replace. 
that offensive line is not going to be as good as it was last year. And I know Fisher, you know, was somewhat of a disappointment. I I think he was playing at maybe too light a weight and and lost a little bit of strength. But, yeah, I mean, there are still question marks because, let's face it, the standard for this team now, Darren, isn't just you have to make the college football playoff. The standard is you have to at least make the Elite Eight. You have to win a playoff game, too. Yeah, no question about that. And I'm the same way with Riley Leonard. I think there are parts of his throwing ability that has to become more consistent. And with a guy like Mike Denbrock running this offense, I feel a lot better about what can become of the talents of Riley Leonard compared to what could have been the coaching staff around him for this 2024 campaign. I want to sneak in one more question, and then I'll wrap it up. I'm just wondering your early impressions of Micah Shrewsbury as Irish basketball coach and the foundation that he has been laying throughout the year. Well, poor Micah Shrewsbury. I mean, no Notre Dame coach has inherited this little on the basketball floor since Dicker's first year. Mm. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury opened up the cupboards and there was a box of celery jello and two half-eaten saltines. <laughs> and that's all that was left. So he, he's making do with what he's been able to cobble together. Uh, Marcus Burton, I, I don't think people appreciate the fact 12 minutes ago he's, he's playing Jimtown and Bremen, and now he's playing North Carolina and Duke. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. And he's still averaging about 17 points a game. And I know he has to take a lot of shots to average those 17 yeah. points a game. Guess what, folks? Somebody's got to take a shot. Yeah. And if you look around, there's not a lot of weapons out there. It's like the Swiss Army. You know, you're pulling out corkscrews and knives. You're not firing <laughs> howitzers here. So, yeah. <laughs> You got the coach's kid, Braden, who's a, a good three-point shooter. He's hitting about 36%. And Knezny's been a nice reclamation project, and that's a nice story. But this is a team that's con- incredibly limited on offense. And so they, how do they win games? They win games by keeping the score down and playing pretty good defense. And then they've gotten better at rebounding. They've gotten better at defense. They put themselves in a position with Louisville coming up and maybe you steal one more home game. If they win six ACC games with this roster, holy cow, he's done a great job. And, yeah, nobody's going to vote for him for Coach of the Year, and he wouldn't want to be voted for Coach of the Year with the squad. But if he got to six ACC wins and, say, 11 wins over the course of the season, that's, that's pretty much, I think, all you could expect. And from what I hear, Darren, He's doing a great job on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, that's where the bulk of this program is going to be built up. Yes, you can grab people in the transfer portal now, and you can look for quick fixes, but it's a whole lot different in the transfer portal of places like Notre Dame than it is most places. And I know fans say, oh, well, that's an excuse. That's freebie making excuses for the air. No, no, no. It's no. a fact. No. It's a fact. Yep. No question. I would much rather watch Micah's team than watch Mike Woodson's team. And I don't care if they're in crimson and cream or those black things they wore over the weekend. That is a miserable experience watching that team right now. I do not understand how any Indiana team, and I don't care if it's IU, 
Ball State, whomever, can't shoot free throws <laughs> and can't shoot, period. I mean, you watch IU go to the foul line. The last time I saw shooting that bad was the Stormtroopers in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> That's a great comparison. <laughs> and we're insulting the Stormtroopers. <laughs> oh, my. By comparing IU to them. Well, Chuck, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank for all you do for high school sports because you enable a lot of young men and young ladies to get shown on television, on the live streams, and get their stories out there. And I'm really glad you're calling a Mishawaka game tomorrow night. So we'll see you out at the old cave tomorrow night. And again, thanks for all you guys do, you and Anj and the entire crew. I know they work through a lot of snow and ice to get the games on the air, so we appreciate them as well. Crew's terrific, and uh, just help me with one pronunciation. Number 12, is it Coupe? Yeah, yeah, since since he's dunked now, I I don't, he might be Iceman now at this point. I have no idea. Dr. Duncanstein, something like that. I I, I asked him today because I've got to post a little video here a little bit later, and I asked him, I said, Do you have a dunk uh, on reserve just in case? Uh, And he goes, I think tomorrow night, if I get in that situation, I'm just going to stick with a layup. Yeah, yeah. Well, as, and I said, that's not a bad idea. As Jack Buck said, when Kirk Gibson hit the home run, I don't believe what I just saw. <laughs> I don't believe what I just saw. Yeah, I was stunned as everybody. So, all right. Well, Chuck, thanks again. Greatly appreciate it. We'll see you out at the cave tomorrow night. Look forward to it, Darren. Thank you, sir. That is the Hall of Fame broadcaster, Chuck Freeby. Catch him on the 46th game of the week, Penn and Mishawaka. 633 at WSBT.